for tuning in to the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Oh man, it is Father's Day. Can we make a little bit of noise for the dads in the house? Man, dads, thank you so very much for being here this morning. I'm glad that uh, you are here. Those of you who were brought by your family, thank you for coming with them. And, and those of you who brought your family here, thank you for leading them and bringing them to church this morning. And I, I love Father's Day because any other Sunday I get made fun of for taking a nap in the afternoon. But not today. Today I earned that nap. Like, so dads know that today you should be off the hook for falling asleep in your favorite chair or your favorite spot in the sectional, wherever it is. We all have our spots, right? It's ours. You don't sit there. People know that. And also dads just know today is a little bit extra special day that you get to hold the remote even longer than you normally do. The remote is, the remote is still yours, but today, like, you can just kind of lord it over everyone. Like, hey, don't even ask today. We're not watching anything you want. It's what we want today. So if that's the DIY channel, if that's sports, whatever it may be, like that is yours. Uh, and I love being a dad. It's one of the, the greatest things that I get to do. Um, and I'm so excited that every year my kids give me a tax break. Like, I'm really excited about that, <laughs> that they get me money back each year. And so the, the times that like I'm frustrated with them. I just remember, man, they, they get me money so I, I can take that home with me. Um, but as I, as I try to figure out how to be a dad, I, I'll admit, like, I'm worried every now and then that I, I'm not going to get it right, that I'll struggle and, and I'll make a mistake that messes up my kids forever. Um, and, and so I want to share with you just a verse this morning uh, to encourage you maybe, because if you're like me as a dad, then sometimes you think like, man, what if, what if I mess this up? What if I don't get it quite right? And, and I just want to share a, a quick scripture with you with just a couple of thoughts before we get into today's message. And it comes from Proverbs 22. I'm sure that most of you have probably heard this. It says, direct your child onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. So dads, I, I want to encourage you this morning to lead the way. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get everything right. You just have to show them the path. And it's not about pointing out where the path is. This is about showing them, leading them, walking with them down the path. Dads, it's your role to lead the way. And I just want to encourage you in two different ways to lead this morning. And that's first, lead in how you love. Lead in the way that you love. Let your children know how you feel about them. Don't just think they already know. Don't think they should know. Tell them as many times as you think about it. Don't, don't think, well, I told them, and I didn't tell them I feel differently, so until I tell them, like, they should know that I love them. There will be a day that you can't tell them any longer, and they won't be able to hear you say that, and I bet you money standing here without my dad today that you will wish that you could hear it again. You wish that you could say it one more time. So don't hold back. Lead them in the way that you love them. Show up 
If they, if they need time with you to experience love, man, show up for them. If, if they need a gift, take them out every now and then. Do something. Figure out the way that your kids experience love and then love them that way. Show up and lead them in how you love them. And, and dads, if, if you're married to their mom, love their mom well. That should have got more amens than what it did. Because one of the greatest gifts you can give to your kids is showing them what a godly marriage looks like. So dads, love their moms. Love your wives well in front of your kids. And I'm not just talking about the PDA that makes them gross out. And I love, man, I, I didn't think I'd be that dad. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I love just mentioning making out in front of my kids, knowing that they're going to just be like, oh, my God. You don't even have to happen. Like, you could just make it up. And they're like, oh, my dad, stop. I, I didn't think I would enjoy that nearly as much. I get it now. Like, when my dad would do that, it would annoy me. And I understand the joy that it brings to my heart. So I, I, I get it. Oh, man. But seriously, lo love, love their moms. And if you're not married to their moms, love her anyways. Show them. Here's, here's why this is important. And this is, this is near and dear to my heart because I have close friends and family that, that aren't married and, and they're trying to co-parent and do different things. And that's very difficult. But what you want to do is you want to set the example for your kids to show them that no matter what someone else is doing, this is how you act. This is how you respond. This is how you love. Don't give your kids an excuse to treat someone poorly. Well, my dad didn't do it. My dad wouldn't have took that, so I'm not going to take that. And, and guys, if you have daughters... Don't show your daughter that you can give a guy reasons to disrespect you. Guys, as difficult as it may be at times, when you're not married, when, when you just have a baby's mom over here, do your very best to love them and honor them and treat them well, especially in front of your kids. The second way I want you to lead the way, guys, is lead the way by how you live. Again, this, this scripture doesn't say that there's a path that everyone needs to direct their kids to like this. This says show them that path, walk down that path, love Jesus, and live that out in front of them. Let them see what a follower of Christ looks like. Don't let them learn from their youth pastor or their kids pastor or from me more than what they're learning from you about Jesus. We get, as, as a pastor, I get one day a week. I get an hour hour and a half sometimes, you get all the rest of the hours. Pastor, love your kids. Show them what it means to follow Jesus. Show them what it means to give him your all. Don't just tell them. Show them. How do you engage in worship? How are you engaging in the message? What are you doing every day that brings you closer to Jesus? Show them what commitment looks like to Jesus. Show them what commitment looks like to your family. Live that out in front of them. Let them hear you pray. Let them hear you pray over them and for them. But guys, it's, it's time for us to lead. And, and that's why really today I'm, I'm not going to preach just to guys because, guys, I want you to lead the way. I, I want you to jump in each and every Sunday, each and every time. Each day you have an opportunity to lead your kids and do that. And do that well. And some of you are doing that and, and you're not even a dad, but you're loving kids and you're, you're being a dad to them. And, and this morning as I was praying, getting ready for today, um, Lamar, God just laid you on my heart to honor you in front of everyone. Man, I, I see your heart. 
and how you've stepped in and loved your sisters and, and stepped into a big role. And dude, he's going to bless you and honor you for doing that, man. You're doing such a great job. You need to know that this morning. Guys, we're supposed to follow Jesus so they can see what that looks like. And this scripture says that, that when we show them that road, that when they're older, they won't, grow, they won't go apart from it, right? But some of us have kids that have gone away from, from the Lord. And, and I want to stop and pray for this right now because I know that that's a heavy burden. Uh, as a parent, we want nothing more than our kids to love Jesus with all, of they, the, all that they have. We want the best for them. And it's frustrating when, when you want to make the choice for them to do things, but you can't. And so let's pray this morning. And, and if this is for your kid, man, you can pray louder than me. It doesn't matter. We want to lift up um, our children this morning. Can we pray together? God, I pray right now, Lord, for, for our kids that maybe aren't here in this room, but Lord, they know who you are. They were raised in church. They had an experience with you, but, but they've wandered away from you. And Lord, right now we stand on your word that says if we raise a child in the way that they should go, when they grow older, they will not depart it. They will not leave it. Lord, we pray right now that you would reroute them, that you would bring people and circumstances and situations into their world that reminds them that you're there, that you love them, that you care for them. Lord, whatever it takes to get their attention, to capture their heart, Lord, we ask that you would do that. We love them. And, Lord, we know that as much as we love them, you love them even more. So, Lord, we lift them up to you, and we ask that you would reach them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And that was just a warm-up. Like, we're, we're getting ready to roll. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to continue our Just In Case series that we started last week on Philippians. And, and what's cool about this letter is I can read this at times, especially on Father's Day. I can read this like Paul the Apostle is a dad and he's writing to his kids in Philippi, wanting what's best for them, telling them that he loves them and he cares for them. And, and last week as we kicked off this series, we talked about how this letter was the friendliest letter that Paul had written. And he talked about joy, even though he was a prisoner while he was writing this. And, and it didn't really make a ton of sense but we'll see it as it unfolds how Paul can be so full of joy in the middle of circumstances that really don't point to him having that joy. And as we look at our passage today, I believe, excuse me, that Paul would encourage us with the words of a wonderful hymn. And I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to read it to you. <clears throat> I believe that Paul would encourage us with these words. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. This morning, my message is titled, Turn and Look. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you've already done today. We thank you that your presence is in this place. And so, Lord, I ask that you would anoint me as I communicate your word to your people. Help me to do it confidently and clearly. And, and Lord, we pray that your word would, would sink down into our hearts that it would check us, that it would help us to be better followers of who you are, that it would take root and it would be part of who we are, not just something that we've read. And, and Lord, I pray that you would speak individually to us this morning, that you would speak to where we are, to the situations that we are facing. Lord, you have a word for each and every one of us. I pray that our hearts and our ears will be open to hear that. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 12 and read through some of this today. I'm really excited to jump into more of Philippians. Paul says this, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, see how nice he is, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Now, this is still chapter one, right? So Paul's taking care of some of the introductory things. So he knows that the church that's in Philippi is concerned about his well-being. How are you doing? What's going on? So he wants to take care of that towards the beginning. And he says, look, I want you to know I'm good. Matter of fact, everything is good Everything that has happened here, that has happened up until this point, has been good. And it's actually been for the gospel. And I don't know if, if you know really Paul's story leading up to this. But when he says everything that's happened here has been good and for the gospel, I'm just thinking, for real? Because, Paul, you've been beaten. And people stoned you. They thought that they killed you. There was a riot caused because of you. They've thrown you in jail. You've broken out of jail. You've been shipwrecked. All of these different things have happened. Now you're awaiting trial. How is this all good? How can Paul possibly sit where he is and say, hey, everything that's gotten here, everything that has happened to me up until this point has been good and for the gospel? Because if you read in other places, Paul wanted to show up in Rome as a preacher, but he showed up to Rome as a prisoner. And I believe that Paul would tell you, Hey, it's been like this because I'm living out Romans 8, 28, that all things have worked for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus and called by his purpose, that all of these things have happened, but they've all gotten God's hand stamped right on top of them, that all of these things somehow have been turned into good in the gospel going forward. And Paul is looking at his circumstances and saying, man, I could be bitter, but all of this has made me better. And the gospel is going forth. And and Paul would tell us this morning the first thing today, don't waste the struggle. Don't waste the struggle. Paul could have been frustrated when he got to this point. He said everything that happened up until here, he could have said, man, has made me so angry. And I'd, I'd be honest with you, I'd be right there with him. right? No one could blame Paul if he was frustrated at this point in his life. Because he's sitting there in prison. He's lost years of his life in prison as a prisoner unjustly for the gospel. At every turn, he could have been released, but then he's going one more trial, one more place, more time behind bars. Paul's heart was to share the gospel all around the world, and he got to do some of that. But now he's been trapped in a cell, unable to do what his heart really wants to do. And this could have been the place where we see in Scripture where Paul's like, man, this is so frustrating. I don't get it, God. Why would you put me here? This isn't what I signed up for. He could have been upset because of the obstacle in front of him, but Paul chose to look at it as an opportunity instead of an obstacle. Do you see that Paul doesn't complain about his chains? He just commits his chains to Christ. I mean, just just think about it. As they shackled Paul, I bet they thought this would take care of it. 
that they would restrain him and they would restrain the gospel. But what Paul says is all they've really done is released it in different ways that no one saw coming. The chains didn't hold the gospel captive. It gave Paul a captive audience for the gospel. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Paul was chained to a Roman soldier every day for hours at a time. And then when they would change out the guards, here comes a new person to hear about the gospel. Where could they go? They couldn't go anywhere. So whether Paul was writing to the Philippian church or just recounting how good God had been, he was able to share the gospel in ways that no one probably thought would happen. But this happened for Paul. I mean, his chains unlocked the doors inside of the guards that no one could have accounted for. And it wasn't even just regular prison guards. Look at your scriptures. It says the palace guards or the, or the um, what's the word in your guys's, the, there's a, it's a big word. Yep, somebody said it back there. And if you've watched, um, oh my gosh, it just completely blanked out of my mind. What's the Russell Crowe movie? Ah, if you've seen Gladiator, you saw the Praetorium guards, right? that they're there to serve Caesar. They're the elite fighting force. These are the guys that were guarding Paul at different times. Paul gets the opportunity to share the gospel with them. These guys are sent out all across the Roman world. They're stationed closest to Caesar. In chapter 4, we're going to see that the gospel has reached people inside of Caesar's household. So what they thought was going to contain the gospel and restrain the gospel had actually led to the spread of the gospel. And then it does something else. Paul says, look, my chains have, have done something unexpected. All of the brothers that are coming to see me now, man, they're encouraged. And they're excited about spreading the gospel. They're seeing Paul continue to be who Paul is, even in chains. And so they're like, man, if, if Paul can do this behind bars and chain to people, I can use my freedom to get the gospel out. And so it says they start proclaiming the gospel even more boldly. So can we open our hearts to the possibility that God wants to turn our circumstances into conversations that point other people to him? I mean, can, you, can we begin to embrace the great work that God has asked us to do in building his kingdom, even when that great work brings opposition? Let's keep doing it. Let's not waste the struggle. Why, why would you want to waste the times that you're fighting the hardest and just let go? And, and, man, I just hope I get through this season. I just hope I get out of it. Like, I'm ready for something. Why would you waste this opportunity? Because Paul is telling us, man, our chains can be encouragement to other people that are believers, that they can look at what you're going through and see how you're continuing to be who God has called you to be in the middle of, of circumstances that you didn't cause or stuff that's happening all around you and you're just like man I'm just going to keep being me I'm going to keep moving forward this isn't the best but I'm going to keep doing what God has asked me to do and they can stand up and say hey well if you can do it I'm going to give God my circumstances I'm going to give him my situation I'm going to communicate about the gospel in ways that I didn't think I could because you're doing it now I can do it too I wonder if if we can start looking at our circumstances and just shrugging them off and just say, man, it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter the struggles that I'm going to face. Is there a possibility for me to spread the gospel through this? Can we just be honest about what we're going through? Can we tell people, yeah, man, life, life is crazy right now. 
it, it is hurting. Like, man, I wish I could say that I'm blessed and highly favored when you ask how I'm doing, but I don't feel like that today. I feel attacked. I feel like the enemy is coming at me on all sides and he's attacking me. But you know what? I know that he's attacking me because I'm doing some damage to his kingdom. I know that he feels threatened by who I am and the purpose that God has in my life. And so you know what? While I'm down, I don't feel like a champion today. I feel like I'm chained. But while I'm down here, I'm going to take advantage and I'm going to look around at the people that are closest to me and see how I can encourage them or how I can spread the gospel to someone else. Even though I'm in chains, I can still be the champion that God created me to be. I can still spread the gospel. You see, suffering is part of our story. It just is. It always will be. Suffering and persecution comes with following Jesus. We can't get around that. So don't let the enemy convince you that suffering means that you're doing the wrong things or you're headed in the wrong direction when it actually means that you're headed in the right direction. You are doing something right. And don't let the enemy make you feel like yeah, that's good. Don't let the enemy make you feel like life is just full of misery. And this is going to be really churchy, but allow God to help you to find your ministry through this. I mean, why not take the blows that the enemy has used to knock us down and say, you know what? Here's how I'm going to swing right back. I'm going to use what you did and my time on the ground to reach other people that I'm closest by. Paul used this opportunity in chains to reach the guards around him. Who has God placed around you that while the enemy is attacking, you can still reach out and grab a hold of someone and say, hey, you know what? I may not have gotten this opportunity any other way, but while I'm in these chains, while I'm in this hospital room, while I'm doing this, while I'm standing next to you in Walmart, while I'm whatever it may be, while I'm down here, I'm going to take some swings at the enemy me right back. He thinks he's going to stop me. He's not going to stop me whether I'm in the pulpit or in prison. That was Paul's mentality and that's what we can take a hold of too. Don't waste your struggle. Let's keep looking here. Psalm or Psalms verse 15 says it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. And those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish, selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Not only is Paul going to encourage us to not waste our struggle, he's going to say, don't waste your breath. There are people that were preaching the gospel out of envy and jealousy. There were people that were preaching the gospel, hoping that Paul would hear about it while he's in prison and hoping it would hurt him because they're doing what he couldn't do. And I don't know how they were doing it, but I love Paul's attitude. I don't care. It doesn't matter. What are they doing? They're preaching the gospel. People are coming to know Jesus. Cool. I'm going to continue to rejoice. Let them, whether their hearts are right or their hearts aren't right, the gospel is going forward. That's all I care about. Paul wasn't offended. Paul didn't stand up and defend himself. He didn't call his people together and say, hey, this is what we need to do. The next time you see them, you need to go and confront them. You need to stand up. He didn't jump on Facebook and put all the stuff out there. He didn't try to rally people around him and tag people in his post and say, hey, don't let this happen. We need to stand up. Look what happened. He didn't do any of that stuff. Paul was just excited that the gospel was being preached. He didn't care. He didn't care who God used or how he used them. He just wanted the gospel to go forward. Now, 
when this is happening, it's probably not the times where the Judaizers would come in and try to get people to move towards the Old Testament law. Because Paul very clearly in other places in scripture is like, that's not the gospel. That's another gospel. And that's not from Jesus. It wasn't that. These were probably people showing up and saying, you know what? You should follow me now because, man, look, Paul's in prison. You know, he did some bad stuff before. God's probably punishing him. You don't want to follow someone like that. You know, sometimes we don't want to admit it, but when people start liking us more than they like someone else, we kind of like that. That's not you. That could just be me. I'll take that today. <laughs> then when people are like, man, you're, you're really good. Oh, stop it. Say it again, though. I didn't hear you. <laughs> Say it again. All right. You know, we, we like that. We like getting the attention. And so some of these guys were doing it out of envy and jealousy. And so it, it doesn't say exactly how they were doing this, but, I mean, I know that if it's someone like me that's there, I know how I could use this to build my own platform and push away from Paul's. Hey, you should come and see what I'm doing over here. Yeah, Paul, he's never going to get out. You might as well stop doing whatever he asked you to do and start following me. We, we want to do stuff like that. And I love that Paul is just like, man, he doesn't call them names. He doesn't call them out. We don't, we don't see him do that. Uh, in, in some of your translations, it still refers to them as brothers. And this is huge. Paul's not wasting his breath on the drama. He's not getting in the middle of this. They have the wrong heart, but he is choosing to overlook the offense. And so some of you haven't, weren't here when we did this series called Don't Drink the Poison. And so I want to remind you that there will be opportunities where you can drink the poison of offense. And if you drink that poison, it will grow bitterness inside your heart. And the confusing thing about that offense is you drink that poison and you think that it's going to affect the other person. But it affects us. And Paul is saying, man, I'm not going to drink the poison. I'm not even going to waste my time, my energy, my breath engaging in there. So can you be quick to overlook when people say things that might offend you, when they do things to hurt you? Can you simply forgive them as Jesus forgives us? Can we stop treating our forgiveness as if it has to be earned, as if it's as higher value than what God is offering to us? Can we offer our forgiveness before people ask for it? I wonder if, if God would be asking us to check our hearts. Would, would we be the people that would stop quitting ministry because of a disagreement with the ministry leader? That we would stop being the people that, that jump in the middle of drama. We get so distracted by one thing that someone said that we lose sight of the main thing. We lose sight of the gospel because we're entrenched with the drama. Don't be people that are still hung up over something someone said five years ago at another church. Don't bring that into here. Let go of it. Allow God to heal your heart. Allow him to sow seeds of love in your heart to get rid of those seeds of bitterness. It's only hurting you. And Paul would tell you, don't waste your breath. He celebrated. This is what gets me. Paul celebrated the power of the seed of the gospel, even if the heart of the sower wasn't good. You know it's easy right now for us as church people to talk about other church people that aren't doing things quite right. Because we get access to that so easily. We gotta be careful with that. Is the gospel going forward? I don't know people's hearts. I, I would want someone to, to overlook stuff that I'm doing. I'm not perfect. 
And so I would hope that we would be the same kind of people that we are not wasting our breath talking down and about other people, but we would choose to keep our eyes on Jesus and not be distracted by what other people are saying. Maybe I could say it this way. The gospel is more important than the gossip. So keep doing what God has asked you to do. Keep building his kingdom until it's finished. Keep living out the purpose that he created you for. Don't waste your breath on the distractions. Keep building his kingdom. Verse 19 says this, for I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. The last thing that I believe that Paul would tell us, don't worry about tomorrow. What does he say in this last part of the message? He, he, he says that prayer does something, that it works. He says, look, I'm enduring all of what's going on because the Spirit is helping me and because you're praying for me. So I want to encourage you this morning to keep praying for the people that you're praying for. Keep spending time calling out their name, calling out their situation and their circumstance. Because what we're reading here as Paul is writing to this church in Philippi is like, hey, you're praying and you're hundreds of miles away from me. And I'm feeling your prayers right here. You have no idea the effect that your prayers may have. It may not be right now in this moment, but it may be tomorrow. It may be the next day. It may be six months from now. Keep praying. Your prayers will be felt even if it's miles or days away. And I feel like Paul is, is able to come to this point as he's saying, you know what, I'm not going to waste my struggle. I'm not going to waste my breath on the drama and the things that don't matter. I think that he can say that he's not worried about tomorrow because he's trusting in the one who holds tomorrow. I mean, just look at these, these verses that he says. He's like, you know what, I, I'm going to trust that whether I live or die, that Jesus has this well in hand. That he's got this figured out even better than I could figure out for myself. To put it very simply, he trusts God. He trusts him with the results. He's saying, you know what, you've given me opportunity. I'm going to work on that and I'll just leave all the results to you. I'll keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And you know what, ultimately he knows his fate is not even in the hands of Caesar. Because if Jesus decides that Paul's got more work to do, then guess what? Paul's got more work to do, and there's nothing that anyone can do to stop that. Rome can't stop that. The prison cells can't stop that. Nothing can stop that if that's what Jesus decides. Other people trying to take his flock and, and do other things, none of that will stop it. Even if the worst-case scenario happens, if Paul goes to trial and he loses his life, he's like, that's cool. My life has been a testimony for who Jesus is and what he can do. And you know what? The only thing that stops then is Paul. The gospel will still keep going. The gospel will be spread with other people. The only thing that, that happens is Paul gets to go see Jesus. And he's cool with that. And we're going to see that in a, in a few more scriptures probably next week as we talk about this. But he's just like, man, if, if my time is done, the worst that happens is I get to see Jesus and the gospel's still going to go forward. I can do that. I don't have to worry about that. I love that this is Paul's perspective and we get to see this, that he wants his life to point at the power of the gospel. 
that he knows that the power of the gospel changes everything for everyone. He wants all of us to, to flow with him and, and get into what he's saying. Like, look, you can have confidence just like I'm having confidence. You can make these kinds of statements and not just make them flippantly, but actually live them if you too would just stop trying to figure it all out on your own. Stop trying to work all your angles and work all your contacts and do all of the things if you would just place it in his hands, if you would just turn and look, if you'll stop for a moment and focus in on him and, and trust in him and, and surrender our lives, your life, my life, surrender the burden for the results to him, to let him figure out what tomorrow looks like. You just keep working on the opportunities that he's placed in your hands today. That we can experience the joy and the peace and the confidence that Paul has. And as we do this, we will experience too how God will use our lives to advance the gospel just like he did Paul's. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? I wonder what God has been speaking to you. I wonder as, as Paul has, has been writing and, and saying these words to the Philippians and we've been talking about them, I wonder what God has been saying to you. Is God asking you for your struggle this morning? Is he just saying, man, can you trust me with the struggle? You, you've been wasting it. You've been complaining. I just want you to commit it to me. Just allow me to, to help you to see what you can't see. Will, will you allow God to turn that, that pain and misery into ministry to encourage other people and, and spread the hope of Jesus Christ? Or maybe some of you have, have allowed offense to take root in your heart and, and bitterness has began to grow. And God would be encouraging you, man, don't, don't waste any more of your breath on this. Don't allow the, the pain of what they said and, and what they did to take up any more of your time. Is he asking for an opportunity to break up your hard heart and soften it once again, to remove the bitterness and replace it with his love? Is he asking you to ignore the gossip and focus on the gospel. Or maybe some of you have been so consumed with plans and tomorrow and how to get to where God has promised you that you forgot that God will get you to where he's promised you. You need to trust him for tomorrow. You've been worrying a little bit more than you've been praying. And God wants you to just trust him once again with tomorrow. Maybe, maybe all that sounded good, but what you've been hearing today has been God's voice asking for a relationship. Maybe you haven't surrendered your life to him. Maybe you haven't stopped and, and given him all of who you are. But today he's just been whispering your name. It's been this odd feeling that you've been having. This morning, if you respond to that, he wants to change all of who you are.
know what you've done. Some of you might even be thinking like, man, that can't be for me because that's where I've messed stuff up. Like, you don't know my story. I, and I don't. I don't know your story. I don't know what you've done, but I do know what's been done for you. I do know that Jesus left heaven for you. That he loved you so much that he came to take your place on the cross and pay for the sin that you committed. Also that he could have a chance at giving you life, life that is more full and more rewarding than you could ever imagine. He did that for you, knowing what you had done. Wow, well, well Pastor, that might work for some people, but, but not for me. I was bad. Well, let me just tell you about Paul who wrote this. He knows the power of the gospel because he went from a, a person who tried to stomp out the message of the gospel to chasing people down and putting them in prison and casting his vote so that people would die because of Jesus into someone who was willing to die for Jesus. So it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus was more than willing to pay the price for you. I wonder if there's anyone in this room that would say, Pastor Kevin, today, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need him to change everything. He, he's, he's calling my name, and, and I want a new start with him today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand and make eye contact with me this morning? You say, that's me, Pastor Kevin. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I see that hand. Is there anyone else today? That's me. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Pastor Kevin, that's me. I need a new start today. Would you stand with me, everyone around, the, everyone in the room? We're going to allow God to, to move here. Before we get to the response time, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Because there were several of you that raised your hand that said, Pastor Kevin, man, I, I need a new start today. I need Jesus to change my heart. And I want, I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer after me. And if you do this, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. That if you do this, if you welcome Jesus in, he will change everything and give you a fresh start. So if you raised your hand or you should have, I'm going to ask everybody to repeat this prayer. Would you say this with me? We say, Jesus, I need you. Today, I invite you into my heart. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you for loving me. Today, I give you my all. All of my faults, all of my fears, all of my sins. God, make me a new person. I give you my life. From today until the rest of my life. Thank you for a new life and new hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. Please share your story and partner with us financially at newvisiongrandview.com.